0: hmm A proud member of Rapehead's Media Network. I'm Jesse. Wheeler. What follows is my conversation with Dr. Robert Murray, a history professor at Mercy College and the author of Atlantic Passages: Wraiths, Mobility, and Liberian Colonization. There's a link in the show notes where you can buy this book, and as an extra bonus, Uh, For the rest of this month, that's February of 2021, you can use the special promo code BHM21 for a huge discount on the price of the book, as well as free shipping. Before we dive into that discussion, I also really need to tell you about another great show from Big Heads. uh, That's Dear World, Love History. It's absolutely brilliant. It's produced by the outlandish historians, Adrian and Renee. And it's the other link in the show notes. They've recently actually completed a series on the Golden Age of the Pirates, which is really one of my favorite topics and and the series is just absolutely wonderful so with that said please check out the quick promo for that show and then we'll get to the interview thanks
1: hey we're renee and adrian and we are the outlandish Outlandish Historians. historians we're sisters nerds and lovers of all things history except bell bottoms keep that in the past come hang out with us on the dear world of history podcast We will frolic through time as we chat and geek out over the good, the bad, and the downright ugly history of the world. We promise you don't have to be a licensed historian to travel through time with us. Maritime disasters? Check. Historical serial killers? Check. Glamorous and petty royals? Check and check. You can find us almost anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Dear Historians and Instagram at Outlandish Historians. So chug that drink me bottle and come on down the rabbit hole. It's going to
0: be a wild ride. We should be ready to go. Okay, okay. Uh, Dr. Murray, uh, Robert, if I may, thank you for joining us. Um, I just want to tell you how much I enjoyed your book. And if you don't mind, before we start talking about it, I just want to start the conversation with a quote uh, from a 19th century newspaper advertisement that is in your book for a runaway. Quote, two cent reward. Keep a good lookout. Ran away from the subscriber on the night of the 14th, Isaiah Hollister, an indentured uh, apprentice of a brown complexion aged about 15 years. Any person apprehending him and delivering him to me in Monrovia shall receive a reward of two cents if found in out of this county and if in the county one cent, but no further expenses, whatever, in either case, all persons are forewarned from harboring him. D.B. Brown, I don't think there's anybody listening to this that would find the content of such an advertisement uh, shocking. Uh, But when I was reading your book, It brought me back to a day when I was a naive undergraduate history student taking a survey class on African history. I think it was from 600 to 1900 AD. Um, But anyway, during one lecture in the class, I was shocked, and I mean shocked, to learn about technically two countries because this was a, you know, we're doing over a thousand years of history here in one survey course, but Sierra Leone and the country of your uh, book, the African Republic of Liberia, Uh, the topic of your book. um, And for anyone who isn't aware, basically Liberia is a colonial project of some people in the United States uh, with the goal of giving African Americans a better life of what they had by transplanting them back to Africa. On July 26th in 1847, the colony of Liberia declared independence from the United States and became the Republic of Liberia, the first quote, unquote, modern Western style republic in Africa. And I should say, uh, again, the name of the book is Atlantic Passages, Race, Mobility, and Liberian Colonization, uh, Dr. Robert Murray. Robert, thank you for joining us again. Um, okay, so for anybody listening who is was like me, Naively not knowing anything about Liberia, which uh, uh, could you just please elaborate or just a little bit on what I said about the founding of Liberia, maybe particular what the American Colonization Society was?
1: Sure. Th- you know, first off, thanks for having me. My- yeah, no, <laughs> of course. The African I kind of survey
0: right was, that,
1: sorry. No, it was from 600 to
0: To what were the dates? I want to say it was from 600 <laughs> to 1900. It was like basically everything but ancient <laughs> Egypt. It was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Well, and, and I have the similar experiences in many ways. My own training is I, I never claim African history. Uh, because uh, of these, uh, so so often it's taught as this massive survey right. um, in American history. So my own training is is much more in African American studies, African American history. Yes, and so I I so in many ways this is also me stumbling upon uh, this this African Republic uh, as well. And so the the roots, the American Colonization Society. That's a bit of a misnomer, if only because we we should remember the first title, uh, the American Society for Colonizing the Free People of Color of the United States, uh, which is a r- <laughs> real mouthful. Right. Um, yes. Get- <laughs> so it's it's why they they we we just shortened that to the the American Colonization Society or ACS, and the the line to un- or the the word to underline is free people. Um, right. And so this is a society formed by very prominent, very elite whites in Washington, D.C. Variably, you'll see some some sites list its founding as 1816, some say 1817. They did this wonderful uh, thing where they had an early meeting in December of 1816 and then said, oh, let's come back in January of 1817. And that's when they formally... Uh, met. It's very, it, it's leading, um, you know, ministers, evangelicals, politicians, the, the, the white elites in Washington, D.C. And they're united by this belief that free people of color are a problem, and that needs to be rectified. And they're going to lay claim to uh, one black thinker in particular, an Afro-Indian sea captain named Paul Cuffey, uh, who argued that establishing uh, settlements of African-Americans, free, free uh, African-Americans along the coast of Africa would disrupt the remnants of the Atlantic slave trade. It would spawn what uh, has been called the legitimate commerce argument, right? That, that by you know, establishing these trading outposts along the coast of Africa, you will uh, uh, change the, the economy of Africa, subvert the Atlantic slave trade, and uh, as an added bonus, you would Christianize, this would be the pathway to, to spreading Christianity through Africa. And so very, very early on, you can already kind of see there's a, a sort of inherent problem with the ACS is, well, one for us, it's, it's, it's a white supremacist organization It is quite literally dedicated to the whitening of the United States. The, right. this is re- <laughs> right. yes. uh, very literally want to create a white republic in the United States, but two, it's a huge tent so you get uh, evangelical, you know, Christian ministers are, uh, find this idea appealing for the, the evangelical possibilities. Um, the, the anti-slave trade folks find this intriguing. Uh, anti-slavery activists, although the title and the goal of the organization is free people of color, uh, they're intrigued by the idea that maybe the, the lessons of this is how to uh, end slavery in the United States. The, the thinking being that one of the main reasons that uh, folks support slavery is it provides that control mechanism. And the fear is, is a, a free black population in the United States. And this removes quite literally that problem. Um, and then of course, but then there are also pro-slavery people within the same organization as well, who uh, are th- see, see this as not a path to anti-slavery because again, the point of the organization is the removal of free people of color right and so it it, it's this big tent organization for whites um and that leads to all sorts it's confusing it moves in many different directions its organization is fairly um interesting in terms of the the structure so it has a president often you know for, for years it's henry clay uh in the antebellum period which kind of strikes at the political uh, power of, of its membership, at least, if not the group itself. It, it's filled with congressmen and senators and really prominent folks. Uh, many of them are given titles for uh, vice presidents, which are just sort of honorifics. And it's, it's designed to drum up support for the organization. But the actual meca- the, the day-to-day sort of operations falls to this uh, group of managers and sort of uh, bureaucrats, for lack of a better phrase, that run the sort of day-to-day operations. And they organized expeditions so they they organized the actual funding of ships putting people on boats the colonial apparatus and the funding comes from these state societies so each state has its own auxiliary society and then each state society is itself made up of many many like local auxiliary societies so all of these things are gathering money uh, from churches, benefactors, uh, the July, uh, July 4th sermon is one of the big fundraising, um, uh, methods of the group, right? This is, appeals right. to ministers, uh, Christianizing Africa. And so, the money kind of flows up through this sort of very sort of complex, uh, it's almost like a pyramid scheme, right? The the money flows up to the organization. And so each, like your little local group may be uh, uh, attracted to colonization for for one reason. And the the group, you know, next, you know, down the street might like it for a completely different reason. And so they have these sort of cantankerous, contentious uh, history because it's this big tent organization again of 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 white people at least
0: right right yeah no that's one thing that i i really find that it did yeah there were so many different motivations that that people would have for getting into that and now uh okay one thing that i i found i definitely want to talk about um in in because it's we're talking about uh, the 19th century here, uh, colonization mm-hmm. in the 19th century, and it seems very, very similar uh, to the exact some of the in some ways the colonization. I mean, obviously, in some ways it's very different, but it, uh, the colonization of the Americas, I guess, uh, especially for the the way life was very difficult for the uh, the people going to Liberia. Would you Would you like to talk about what? what, what would happen to these people? They're just, I guess just dropped off on Africa and (laughs) uh, especially in the early years uh, when this Mm -hmm. first starts, uh, what, what is happening?
1: Sure. Uh, Yeah. So there are some interesting parallels uh, to, to, to your point that one of the oddities of, of uh, the American colonization society is it's a private benevolent society. And so it, 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 I, I, Hopefully, it's uh, not uh, too out of line to immediately correct the host. Uh, oh, no! Excuse me, oh, please. No, yeah. correct me all so, the time. Please, so, one of the oddities when Liberia declares independence in 1847, it doesn't declare independence from the United States because it's not a colony of the United States. Okay, it, it declares independence right. from, from the from the, from the private
0: enterprise. <laughs> correct. From okay. Private, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry. No, what you, so you and you know I, I think i pretty much just summarized that from wikipedia too so now right. i want to look at that and make sure that they're not wrong too <laughs> i
1: i i wouldn't doubt that they're so i'm it's, sure it's, yeah it's, no
0: um no but that's a very good point thank you yeah
1: well no it's it, so it's this horribly complex situation but it's also this well-connected society and so what you end up with is this entanglement the u.s navy frequently um you know swings by and provides support um, under President Monroe, he, when the United States um, um, abolishes uh, the Atlantic slave trade, uh, as part of that um, uh, legislation, they decide that any, they need a, 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 a receiving place. Uh, so if, if the United States Navy intercepts any illegal gotcha. ships yeah, engaged in the Atlantic slave trade, they they don't take them back to where the ship originated. They just right this con, this conflation of all, you know, all Africa is the right. same. They just go to Liberia. <laughs> yeah. And so and so there are federal agents. There's a federal role for Liberia. Um, it, 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 so it's this federal joint private organization that creates all sorts of, of complications. And so the, the inaugural expedition to to create this new colony in 1820, the Elizabeth that leaves from New York, they think they're heading to uh, a Sherbro Island off the coast of um, Sierra Leone uh, due to some previous connections. Paul Cuffey had met uh, an individual who uh, operated off that Island. And so they think that's where they're going and they get there and there's no fresh water. Um, so one of the important things about a colony is
0: you're gonna need some water
1: you're <laughs> gonna need some water <laughs> and so they end up uh stranded in sierra leone which is as you said the the british equivalent to this colony yeah. uh they're they're kind of adrift trying to figure out how to negotiate uh uh, uh land and so it's, it's these private agents with these federal agents that are sort of a long, the, and then none of them actually have instructions about who has power and authority to do what. The, the settlers that are along with them think that they're creating their own you know independent society the federal agents believe they're they're essentially contractors for the federal government to build a federal outpost the benevolent society agents think that they're there to, as part of it so there's it's just glorious confusion and, and really strikes at the the muddledness of this and the way they secure the the first treaty for the future site of Monrovia, the capital of Liberia, the first settlement, um, uh, the first uh, American settlement, is basically uh, the the, uh, uh, Lieutenant Stockton of the USS Alligator. uh, is just a U.S. naval vessel is there patrolling and just offers his services. He's a supporter of the colonization movement. And so this relatively weak you know, but it's, it's not a nation state. It's a, it's a private organization. They suddenly have the authority of this U S you know, military ship sailing behind them. And that provides the, the, the military might and the threat of of military force from the United States to secure this treaty, uh, from these indigenous, uh, African peoples around, uh, Monrovia or the future side of Monrovia, I should say. And so there's uh, all sorts of, uh, 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 conflict and confusion and muddleness that really have these sort of parallels, you know, to other spot spaces in the Atlantic world. And especially the, the use of military. So the, the, the dark irony or comedy of this is you have in many ways, the, 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 you, the might of the U S Navy is what secures the, you know, is the, the stick that secures the treaty from these, um, indigenous African leaders who are not necessarily thrilled with the idea of, you know, signing this treaty. Right. And then the U.S. Yeah. And then I mean, what,
0: I mean, that kind of gets into one of my, my next questions is, I mean, from the perspective of these uh, people who are living in it, I mean, this, this, there isn't just a spot in Africa for the, this, the, uh the the society to set up a, a city and a colony and and all these plantations and everything that they get going uh, what i guess yeah how do the uh the 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 local um i i don't know if tribes is the right word uh but uh the local african groups uh how, how does some of these uh what is their what is their feeling on on this
1: right no it's a great question so one of the Oddities—I shouldn't say oddities, peculiarities—because it's not terribly odd. But one of the, the defining characteristics of Liberia, even today, it's it's remarkably diverse. There's many different um, groups there now. It, a lot of them today use the the tribe lang, tri, language of tribe, right? But that's a, that's actually coming in through the American, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's yeah. The American English arriving in a- Africa. But they're uh, they're sort of stateless societies. Uh, they're frequently um, they're, they're, individual villages or towns, uh, with, a a, a leadership they through genealogy, you know, sort of, uh, shared ancestry, owe oh, uh, allegiance or, uh, alliances with other towns or villages across the coast, but the, it's not, they don't land amongst a cohesive uh, confederacy they don't land amongst a cohesive group you know a single african nation right and so that one of the the mechanisms they've they're able to succeed despite being relatively weak, right they don't have the, the the full-on force of a nation state uh they have the 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 coincidence of when a u.s naval vessel is in their area they can call upon it for aid but it's not a sustained military presence but because they arrive in this sort of disjointed um um uh collection of peoples uh, or at least they're not i shouldn't say they're disjointed there right.
0: yeah and i think a phrase i just read recently politically fractured i guess right. maybe too yeah
1: yeah their 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 understandings of how their society works so even though they're basa or glebo or by their alliances uh, work differently and so as they as and they all have their own pre-existing historical, uh, you, you know, rivalries, and and this this town has a long feud with this other town because of access to trade and things like that. And so, as the society arrives and starts depositing settlers, they negotiate sort of individual treaties, frequently under threat, uh, violence, and force. But they find themselves, you know, it's this kind of constellation. They they. Frequently find themselves with indigenous African allies in these conflicts. Much there again, much with parallels uh, to North America right. or the Americas broadly. Yeah, uh, and so they're they're trading partners, sometimes enemies, sometimes friends, sometimes allies, sometimes allies of convenience, and it's this really kind of complex matrix uh, of expansion. Add to this, uh, you get um, the those recaptured Africans, those uh, uh, Africans captured in the illegal slave trade that are from frequently they're you know thousands of miles away, and they're deposited in uh, Liberia. They get the nickname uh, the Congos. It's sort of a generic association that they come from the Congo region. Um, of of africa and so the right if you if you're congo in liberia you you know yes you're on african you're on african soil but you're you know thousands of miles away from home right what do you do and so they become uh very much allied with many of the uh settlers as well because they're it's (laughs) it's the way to go they have their own settlement uh new georgia uh right uh So yeah, uh, that's one of the
0: (laughs) neat things I think about library. I mean, just from, Mm -hmm. I I guess, from the history of of you know, I I recently watched it. This is kind of just getting us off on a tangent, but I think I recently saw or watched a a, like a YouTube video, just one of those YouTube videos, and it was ants. It was it was like asking a British person, "What do you guys learn about the American Revolution?" Mm -hmm. and is just uh, this is uh, so much of this is African history. This is also kind of American history. And I, I just want to point out to anybody listening who has ever asked the question of themselves, uh, what do they learn in Britain about the American Revolution if you live here in the United States? Uh, well, I think I should ask you, what do you know about Liberia anyway? uh <laughs> yeah, it's, sorry
1: i mean it's, it, no but it, it it's it's a great point i mean i as somebody I, like i said i came I, I i have that kind of i'm always amazed uh i, I had colleagues or no uh people today they entered graduate school and they knew i'm i am doing the history of this explicit thing in this time in this place from these years and, right. and they knew that from day one and i very much drifted yeah <laughs> and and, and so I, I, I share that sort of, you know, even um, as the person that wrote the book on this, I'm you know, I'm the authority, I'm putting this in air quotes for your, your listeners, so what, no, but I, and, I share this wonderment of like, oh, I'm learning, I was learning about this as I was writing my dissertation.
0: Right. Well, and and one of the most fascinating things uh, I learned uh, specifically about this in your book is that, uh, and, and me speaking about how this is American history, is that. Mm-hmm. As Liberian society develops, you get some very similar societal divisions in Liberia that exist in America, and uh, one in particular I just want to to talk about I guess is that uh, sometimes the the the. Uh, Americo Liberians, I guess, is the is the is that is the term. The Americo Liberians, uh, some of them from the north, who had greater resources than some of the Americo Liberians who were from the south, didn't always get along. Um, and would you like to talk about that? That, sure. I guess, that tension.
1: Sure. No, I, cause I, I, to your point, although I study this spot in Africa, I very much, I, I see this, I, I'm very much conceiving myself as an American historian because it's the, one of the things that I'm really trying to do in the book is sort of bring this into, right. This is an American yeah. establishment. They have a Georgia, they have a Maryland, they have a Virginia. Um, you know, they, they, are their, their structure of, of Liberia today is based upon
0: counties um, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, and that, that's why I wanted to read that that advertisement for The Runaway is because and I don't think I fully clarified this now that I'm looking back at it, but I, I would not be surprised. And I, I guess I don't think there'd be too many people listening who would be surprised if that referred to somewhere in Mississippi or Louisiana. Right. I'm sure I'm sure there is a Monrovia County somewhere out in the yeah. deep south. But um you know, and then to discover there's this surprising uh, American like advertisement. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. And so I part, so I to kind of get at the so you've got um, divisions and, and conflict with uh, the sort of indigenous African peoples, plural. Um, right. There. And then you have internal conflict as well. And I think to strike at the internal conflict is to note that, at least amongst um, African Americans, right, with, within the uh, population of uh, free blacks in the United States. Colonization is n- not popular. <laughs> uh, it is not so. It's a big tent for white people. Right. It is not for African Americans and for all. So, I mean, right? You see this at uh, uh, David Walker's appeal. And there's all he has. A, <laughs> one, of his, one of his sections is entirely about the colonization movement, uh, the the colored convention movement, the sort of beginning uh, of sort of na- nationwide political organizations within. Uh, free people of color that that also launch state and local convention movement. They, the The convention movement launches as initially as an immigration movement. They're looking for space to go somewhere else to abandon ship, so to speak, in the United States. Right. But they explicitly take Liberia off the table because it's this product of of ACS. Martin Delaney, another great uh, thinker in the Black Atlantic for immigration immigration with an e. Yeah. Uh, 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 it, you know, he Liberia is is off the table because they see it as a pawn of of the of the. It's not a black led organization or a black led society. It's it's this white. It's they're puppets of this white group, and so the so, so you know remove being removed far from home, unappealing. Uh, the the colonization society seems structured to remove slavery's most ard, you know, ardent support, or excuse me, ardent uh, opponents. Uh, you know, remove them away to preserve slavery in the United States. It, there's the, the a laundry list of way uh, things in which this is not appealing for african americans and so it's what it's widely uh panned and dismissed and challenged and it's actually one of the one of the most important reasons that you get the adoption of a um, Uh, again, air quotes for your listeners, colored or Negro identities. So, you know, if you think about like Black religious institutions, you have the African Methodist Episcopal Church. African was a moniker used um, in the late 17 and early 1800s. But what what makes this really just odd and complex is the Colonization Society, while also being a white supremacist organization, also ties into Pan-Africanism because it 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 argues that this is a homecoming for these people that that blackness is the shared identity on either side of the atlantic and that it celebrates you know after you know it these people who are the dregs of the society here that are holding us back that are you know threats of racial violence um in their natural uh, air quotes for your listeners their natural native home though they will thrive and so it, it, it leads to this shift with it. Suddenly, uh, African Americans go, Well, we can't, we can't, we can't use this, we can't keep calling our, our organizations African because it's part of the, we're, we're going to be shipped away to this distant land. And so I bring that up because oh, I read, I, I, when I was learning this history myself, yeah. and, uh, I was, so that's the, the, the broad narrative and it's accurate what surprised me are the sort of individuals the john brown russworms of the world right. who who do go and john brown russworm he's he's um, fa- really fascinating character he's one of the first uh, african american college graduates in the united states he goes to Bowdoin grows up in Maine, like the whitest, I, I think maybe still the whitest state today. <laughs> uh, he's uh, uh, the child of, a, of a, an enslaved woman and a. Uh, he's born in Jamaica, a Jamaica planter who relocates to Maine. He marries again. His stepmother, his white stepmother says that she's going to raise John Brown um, in her family. And so he's raised in this environment. He goes to college. He he joins the same literary society as Nathaniel Hawthorne, yeah. and and he beca- <laughs> he's he's co-editor of uh, the Freedom's Journal, first uh, black newspaper in the United States, and initially he right he's anti-colonization. He's part of this 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 um, um, anti-colonization rhetoric and thinking, and slowly by the eighteen thirties he he evolves his position and he becomes just so frustrated. And tired of the United States, he just says, I'm 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 off. And he and it he relo- he relocates first to become a newspaper editor he's eventually going and to be I, the first i apologize black governor. if you
0: can hear the dog okay. drinking water right now i so, oh. i didn't really think <laughs> about when i set up my i don't know if you guys can hear that sorry i'm sorry okay. to interrupt you no no i was what, like what, i have to what, say something if people can hear this
1: what, <laughs> i'm not gonna dog? edit
0: it out is what i'm saying it's, no, it's he's a it. big old he's actually he's actually my roommate, and he's a massive mix with he's like huge as well so he's like drinks like <laughs> if you want just so you can see him here he is right here and he just when he is thirsty, he's uh, yeah, no, you can hear. It. a big dog. <laughs> yeah, he is a big dog. Yeah, he's a sweetheart, but uh he yeah. is is he could be a little noisy. Sorry, buddy. I'm talking about you. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, and I, I apologize for cutting oh, you off. No. I I don't know if uh if you remember where you were uh, in. So,
1: uh, Russ. So. I, what I what I was what struck me is that there are they're they're small. Um, there are individuals that find Liberia an appealing option, and so I I, it, it, I began sort of thinking like, well, okay, what is it that what what is it that strikes these people? Uh, there, you know, the the Roberts, uh, Justin Jenkins Roberts, the first president of the Republic or yeah. the McGill's who you wanted to chat about who. Was, right. Uh, yeah, I, for I sure. I could talk about the, the I, McGill family forever. <laughs>
0: there were there were. So, and for anybody listening, there were so many people that I uh, that, that you bring up in the book and that I learned about that are so fascinating, I considered. And I don't. I, I was like, well, he might not like it, and I don't know if anybody would like it but me. But I considered just making every question about a specific individual yeah. that you talk about in the book. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I also wanted to 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 give a, you know the wider context a little bit.
1: No, but it, it's a, it, that's those stories are what drew, what drew me into this this understanding that this is uh, a much more complex place yeah. And so when you for most histories of, of Liberia right it's a fairly straightforward tale that uh, you know the, these people are forced um, uh, you know they're f- formally enslaved and one of the, the main mechanisms is th- that an enslaver will will offer emancipation and relocation or continued enslavement. And so the, the narrative is, is that this is an overwhelmingly, uh, you know, uh, forced population. They, they are against, held, against their, against, they're held there against their will. They are uh, miserable and hate it. And this is a one-way journey. And once you start kind of reading their, this is a very much a settler-driven book. It really, once yeah, you start reading yeah. their letters, yeah, th- those people definitely do exist. But there's also this real complexity here about what is it that these people that chose to go there or found something different there, what is it that they were looking for? And that starts striking at the sort of um, inequalities of the United States that begin to be replicated in Liberia. And there's this sort of matrix. And um, one of the things that really struck me is that I, I think, and this is sort of, a, a, I think. You you span Atlantic history. I mean, my God, you,
0: you start this I, podcast with the War of Jenkins' Ear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, the, we, we, I, I like to, I, I love it all. I like to yeah. talk, talk, and, it all, and and I, talk about and
1: it. And I think one of the sort of, I, I don't know if it's a, it's not everywhere, but one of the, the things about thinking about Atlantic history is we, because it's so vast, because it's so big, we're really good at finding that one movement, right? right. The, you know, so, the, the settler society, the relocation, or maybe we can follow somebody who moves twice, but the sort of complexity and how mobile this society is, yeah. uh, is really, it, it's, it's really hard to strike at. And so I've I re- read so many books where, you know, the uh, Liberian settlers, they get on the boat in the United States, they get off the boat in Africa and, and that's it. And when you start reading their letters, you start realizing, oh no, actually they're They're coming back (laughs) to the
0: states. Right, yeah. And and in some cases, just making multiple trips. Uh, Right. Yeah, yeah. That that was very interesting.
1: And so one of the things that you start realizing is that these people that find something there, the the small population uh, that do, what they find is that they can renegotiate uh, their relationship to the United States. And so they, you, you do, the McGill's come back many times and there's this matrix of reasons. Um, some are sponsored by the colonization society. So the colonization societies, because they're white driven, the more successful of the state organizations in Maryland in particular, uh, really suddenly it just dawns on them. It's like, oh, testimonials. We should have settlers come back and speak about life in Liberia. And so they begin sponsoring uh, folks that come back to to basically travel. Uh, education is a major one and we can talk about McGill later. He, you know, medical education. Uh, McGill uh, goes to Dartmouth. He's sponsored by the Maryland State College. Colonization Society to go to Dartmouth to actually get a medical degree. He graduates. He's the first African American to graduate from an American medical institution, right. and the only. He, and he could do this at the exact same historical moment when other African Americans are being denied admission. James McCune Smith, the first uh, black uh, uh, African American graduate of a medical school, he has to go to Europe. Yeah. He, and McC- and he graduates just a couple of years before McGill. McGill and him are actually contemporaries. And the only reason that McGill can, can get into Dartmouth and get a medical degree is because he has this colonization sponsorship, these well-placed hmm. uh, uh, whites. Right, and, okay. And so, and so, you know, some are, so they're coming back uh, sponsored by the colonization societies. Some of them uh, find themselves uh, in a position to come back and visit family that they left behind uh some are coming back to to free family that they left behind enslaved some are just coming back for lack of it's touristy almost they want to go back see family see friends they want to go revisit certain sites right Uh, um you know john brown russell goes back up to maine he complains about the prices of hotels in boston (laughs) And, and and so one of the things you realize is they the the sort of Pan Africanism of the colonization society by celebrating their life in the colonies and saying that if you relocate you it, to Africa, you will be the you know you'll uh, Christian you'll be you know Christianizing benighted Africa. You'll be elevating this society. You'll be the civilizers. Air quotes for your re, you right. know, readers. Yeah. The civilizers and, of this continent.
0: And I and I think one of the reasons I, I chose McGill and um, it's also because that's one of the you mentioned and he's a doctor one of the i guess i remember in your book mentioning one of the the arguments i guess uh, against people like him who are just eager to go over to liberia is well we we i guess the african-american population here in the states we would really like the doctor you the doctor to stay here (laughs) yeah um i i I think i remember a tv show where i saw the doctor get kidnapped in fact for something like that but anyway uh at, at one thing i specifically want uh, to ask you about is um because you mentioned you know a big part of liberia's history i guess uh is before emancipation in the united states uh, would it be possible for a liberian colonist to visit An enslaved family member like how would that work would that be just something that would be very dangerous potentially dangerous i should say or um yes yeah Uh,
1: it's it's something that weighs on them so one of the things that they're very skilled at doing is holding these colonization societies accountable and so it it, one of the things i want to uh get away from in the book is this idea of this sort of duped colonists like the these settlers because the colonization societies have a very tenuous actual hold about on their colonies in Africa, the settlers really are engines that drive this movement. And one of the things that they do is hold the societies accountable. And so there's letters going back and they're, they're, they're filled with questions. You know, if I uh, go back to the South, what, what will happen? Is it safe? What are the, you know, ports and what you end up with because it's all sorts of really odd things. So because these are individuals in a colony of a private benevolent society, they don't actually have any sort of national identity themselves. Many, I, I use the term American Liberian. It's it's sort of taking their later identity and projecting it uh, back in history. I, I just had to do it as a shorthand because right. saying, you know, oh, settlers no, no. and their children.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <say> <laughs> But they all call themselves Americans, but they don't have any sort of, uh, they're, they're sort of stateless in many ways. Yeah, And so McGill to get, you know, he arrives in Maryland and then he needs to go up to uh, New Hampshire and he lives in Vermont ac- across the river. And so the colonization society prepares him with this sort of Odd document saying of who the he is, and it's like a passport. They get the local, like Baltimore judge who supports the colonization movement to sign off on it. But and so, in, in, in this exact same moment, uh, African Americans are denied passports. Right, they're denied these travel documents. These colonization societies are sort of functioning as weird surrogate state departments for their own organizations they're sponsoring these people they're um and and for the liberian settlers they do not want to ride jim crow they are not interested in um in segregated living you know uh, spaces or segregated travel accommodations they that the they left the united states because of that they have they have celebrated you know you celebrate us in Africa. We are the tip of civilization's spear.
0: So yeah. be,
1: if we are now great, you must recognize us as such. And for many conversations, like, it's this real awkward, like, oh, okay, yeah. So, yes, I guess you can stay in my house. <laughs> 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 you know, I, I guess, yeah, you shouldn't ride on that coach, um, you know, on the roof. You shouldn't. And huh. so... Yeah. You know, the, the Marylanders uh, from McGill, when he's going north, they write to the owners of the ship that he's on and say he's he's a paying passenger. Please, you know, treat him as a paying passenger. Right. It's it's code for as a, you know, as a white right. as a white person. And so they're, they're They secure, uh, like like I said, the first African-American graduate of a medical school. They secure all sorts of training, um, uh, accommodations, travel uh, prestige, the Maryland uh, Colonization Society that named Rustworm uh, the governor, I should mention. Um, Liberia is probably better said as a uh, uh, called Colonies uh, initially. There are several, these state organizations, a couple of them established their own separate settlements that are eventually going to yeah, be all merged yeah. together. And so the Marylanders established their own little separate colony. They creatively call it Maryland and Liberia. They spent a lot of time on that name. And so <laughs> you know, they named Rustworm an African-American. They're, he's actually the first uh, uh, African-American um, or black governor of a, a colony. And so they, he come when, it, when he comes back to the States to visit, they throw a banquet in his honor. And, yeah. and so you have, uh, it just to underscore how the, the paradox is here, you have colonizationists who are actively trying to create a white republic. You know, the, 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 the profits of, you know, racial... Uh, unrest and that a a free black population in the United States will, will create uh, social unrest and disharmony and, and race wars that that's what they preach. And they throw a banquet for a black man. And, you know, the, the later the president of the, the colonization society, real, you know, he makes, he remembers the, the Irish, the white Irish waiters being perturbed that they're <laughs> supposed to serve this, this <laughs> African you know, the, right. and so it's really, uh, yeah, it's really complex, and they they really do uh, in some ways a remarkable job. Now, there's constraints to that, and this gets back to your question, which I'm bad about rambling, so apology. no, 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 that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but this goes back to your question about the divisions within that society, like for the 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 there, and it also ties to your quote about two cents reward. Um, so you have this runaway indentured servant ad, but the, 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 the offer isn't dollars, it's pennies. And that really reflects the sort of economic realities of these colonies For many, you know, the, there is a larger population of formerly enslaved people there. Uh, so they have uh, issues of poverty, obviously. Uh, issues of finding, you know, cash, you know, how do we make money? What's the, the economic engine that drives this colony? So it's, it's broadly a poor colony. And so uh, sponsorship by the colonization societies, both in the, in the 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 bureaucracy, and so many of the early governor positions were white. But like the assistant uh, governor, the assistant agent is what they called it, yeah, uh, or the colonial council. These are all settler positions, and they all, you know, if you're the the storekeeper or the secretary, these all have salaries. And so you have already some some natural prejudices that uh or that a a liberian settler who is literate uh who is freeborn they already come into the colony with you know previous advantages and then they can secure those colonial positions which gives them more advantages uh gender is a significant role because uh one of the main sponsorships for these transatlantic travels is, uh, you know, speaking before audiences about their experiences in Africa, because the audiences are uh, mixed sex, occasionally uh, mixed race, the, the colonization societies want men to do it. And so you have, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, one of the names, Charles Scotland. He's this fascinating character. Um, he, he, for most of the, the, the speakers that they employ, they're, they're usually people, of prompt, you know, if not the governor, they're, they're people that found success. They're usually colonial administrators. Scotland's pretty middling. He's not uh, impoverished, but he's not uh, their normal spokesman. But he's mm-hmm. this sort of venerated, revered. He's sort of an older man. Um, and so he's able to come back and do this American travel with colonization sponsorship because uh, essentially he's a man. Right. And so you've got class issues, gender issues, uh, freeborn versus formerly enslaved. Um, uh, and then obviously racial dynamics as well, racially ambiguous, uh, folks like Russ worm, like Roberts, like McGill, uh, right. th- be, because They have advantages due to white understandings of, of that uh, racially ambiguous, the, the so-called mulatto class is uh, elevated above, uh, um, you know, the quote unquote pure African. And so it's many of these uh, racially ambiguous folks are the ones that they, you know, sponsor or support, you know, name to their positions of authority. And so the, it's – there's some real uh, – there's colorism within this Liberian society and class yeah. and status and, and gender all swirling together. Uh,
0: no, I, yeah, no, it's uh, far too complicated for, for one day split between that and Sierra Leone in a, in oh. a class <laughs> to go back to that. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention uh, uh, too – I want to uh, – I'm, I'm looking at my questions for that i think i've mentioned this before in a previous interview i, I tell everybody i write my questions down and uh, sometimes i don't necessarily ask them in order but um okay i i also i, I just think this is really funny so i want to ask about this um some of the the economic problems of the uh, colony uh I, or a lot of it i think has to do with the like the the poor management and then the confused nature <laughs> to get back to that um yeah. i just want to you, you you mentioned a line that I just thought was really funny. Uh, a, a merchant who is writing an addendum to a previous letter, quote, I mentioned prunes to you. <laughs> I'm told they do not grow in the tropics, unquote. And, and just beyond the humor in that statement, I, I really suspect that a lot of the colonists themselves don't really appreciate that sort of probably mismanagement that uh, to them isn't as funny as a joke about prunes no. um do you want to talk about how, how does this economy i guess start how does that get go i mean how does liberia work i guess sure yeah um
1: I, I, in some ways the answer is barely but the, the <laughs> uh the yeah the prunes comment is great that that's a it's a baltimore merchant who's you know they that's they they have um uh So one is the sort of armchair uh, geographers and planters in the United States. So their vision, to, to to go back to your earlier point, their vision of this that, and they they write off Liberia has a high, an enormous mortality rate. Uh, the, it's the acclimating fever. You're you're introducing Americans to yeah. uh, tropical diseases. Uh, the 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 mortality rate is really high, and immediately the colonizationists, being the boosters, say, well, it's just like Jamestown you know they they really do envision Liberia becoming this this United States in Africa this is going to be uh, you know, the, the Niger river is going to have steamboats and be mistaken for the Mississippi river. And they're armed with, you know, they, this monthly, you know, uh, journal, the African repository, and they've got the maps and they say, ah, you know, and they're just they they're constantly sending, ah, coffee prunes, uh, <laughs> which I, I don't know how much, how profitable prunes would be, but <laughs> um, <laughs> they're just f- filled with uh, these ideas about right. what this thing should be steamships. And and so to your point the what the, from the very beginning from that very first expedition the settlers are very determined uh, to make this their own enterprise even even those that um, you know it was sort of a choiceless choice to to be on these expeditions right. to go to it, Liberia yeah cuz
0: cuz i mean I, w- and I apologize to interview, uh, interrupt I, th- I do recall you mentioning at least i mean like there was one planter i guess in virginia who just in his will just said, okay, my 200 slaves are all going to Liberia. Goodbye. Yep. You know, or yeah. something like that, you know? Yeah. And, and,
1: and so you, yes, that, and that, and so you have these folks that, that this is, this was the choiceless choices. The, the, the term that really applies here that they're, 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 they're it's, it's a, a history of, of slavery or, or continued slavery or, Oh, yeah. You know, a, a a chance to die of acclimating fever, and so the uh, it's it's really complicated in that the the settlers really want to take ownership of the society, and one of the things that is really problematic in terms of the governance is that the colonization societies initially on, they send white agents to be in charge. And so this is Jehudi Ashman. Uh, well, it's an uh, Ezekiel Skinner, a number of white agents. They think that, that this is like a training idea. The, the governor, the agent is going to be white and he's going to oversee and it's going to be sort of an early white man's burden idea. And the settlers are not at all interested in that enragement. And so, uh, what you find very early on, they the there's such discord in the colony. They have to send their their longtime uh, secretary a guy named Ralph Gurley, who basically is the American Colonization Society. He like edits the journal. He is their secretary. He runs the correspondence. He is the the white colonization. He is the 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 figure. The, the most prominent like white colonizationist in terms of like running the organization, and he has to get on a boat go go to Liberia and look look around. He creates this report and he says, yeah, our our what we think is going to work, it's just not. And so he's the one that says, yeah, we just need to create a settler council. The vice agent is going to be a settler, and they really like this. they're they're we can either recognize what they are what they are creating, or we can just pretend like this isn't the reality on the ground. And so what ends up happening is the sort of colonial bureaucracy, the, the colonial council, the judges, uh, the, the, the assistant agent, the lieutenant governor, for lack of a better phrase, are all settlers. And because the mortality rate's so high, because uh, so many of the white governors get sick or because they just give up and they go home and it's months, months long journey. And then you have to point somebody new and it's months, months back. You end up that, uh, although... Uh, uh, i say russworm is the first officially appointed uh, you know black governor of these colonies uh, there are black governors function they're vice agents they're functioning uh, as governors in absence of an officially appointed governor and so the settlers are the ones that really drive this colonial enterprise they they they're not just you know the dupes you know the uh, puppets of these um, White authority figures—they really are the ones expanding the state, and so their vision of what this is is very different from the whites back home. Early on, what what drives it is basically it becomes Liberia's uh, settlements. They're overwhelmingly coastal, and so they have this idea of farming. Um, but they have all sorts of issues farming. And of course, now uh, we know like the, the coastal soils of Liberia, they're, they're, they, the, they lack nutrients, they suffer from erosion. <laughs> the, there's all sorts of subtler letters explaining, you know, the first crop of potatoes does great. And then after that, it's, it, you know, it's a famine. And so they have this vision of right. Th- if you think about many of these people are formerly enslaved peoples, like they're they're farmers. <laughs> That's what they right. that they 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 see they want a farm. That's yeah. what they want. And the land defies them because they're along the coast. And so frequently, what they end up is sort of a, a hybrid of uh, small scale farming and then functioning as uh, literal middlemen. They they inter- they insert themselves in the coastal trade. And so palm oil in particular in, in Liberia, that they, they become the middlemen moving uh, African interior goods uh, into you know, the harbors and coasts as they, increase it, they expand along the coast before they go into the interior. And so that's how they function as sort of the literal middlemen along, uh, for this coastal trade, which obviously causes more strife and conflict with uh, Africans who were previ- the, previously held this position.
0: Yeah, um, there is, and uh, I don't want to. Uh, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, so I, I, I want to get at the last kind of points I'm making. I'm trying to figure out how to best frame this because I want to. Um, one of the I I to, I, uh, I don't know if ironic is the right term. I don't know. One of the most bizarre. Um, I guess, consequences of all of this is that the Americo-Liberians who – a lot of them, I I guess, are becoming – are becoming the agents, I guess, of American or Western civilization or whatever. And you talk a bit about people, uh, both Africans, Native Africans, uh, and – Jehudi Ashman, uh, uh, I, th- I think he's a, a, a white American. Uh, at, at any rate, people in America and in Africa, people who start referring to Americo Liberians, once again, African American uh, colon- uh you know, just to, to be co- totally clear, we're talking about African American colonists in Africa who become quote unquote white. Uh, which really kind of puts, <laughs> I think, the nail in the coffin that race is a social construct, if, it, if anything it, would. It's
1: the greatest example.
0: I'm biased, but it's the greatest example And with that said, uh, I, I also want to make sure I, I, I quote you. I, I, I really liked this passage uh, from your book, and I think it kind of gets at the heart of the arguments you're making. Um, quote, this may be an apt summation of colonial Liberia, a series of small things that added up to great ones. The military coat, a silk battle flag, the ability to write back to the United States about your manly stand against savagery. All of these elements were designed to elevate the settlers into the roles of masculine tamers of the African wilderness, much as the European descendants of white colonizationists believed their forefathers tamed the American wilderness. The possibilities for martial glory were one of the first lessons for male settlers. Unquote in, in Liberia, that is. Um, so, uh, I guess, would you like to kind of unpack uh, some of all of this a little bit? What do you mean by that 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 quote? And um, and in addition, I guess I'd like to ask you, what does does this just mean I don't know if you term it American society, Western society? What is there just something inherently just bad and violent about it that makes us go out and want to get everything and, uh, you know?
1: Yeah, that's a great question.
0: Um, well, so I
1: I don't know how many of your readers are poor graduate students, but so let me let this book began when I messed up. Okay. Uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, there's definitely some poor graduates. Yeah.
1: So dear, dear poor graduate student, that mistake may end up being a book.
0: Um, (laughs) And so you
1: mentioned Jehudi Ashman. Jehudi Ashman's one of the the white uh, agents appointed uh, to oversee the colony. and He arrives very early. So I mentioned that the Monrovia is basically established through the threat of, of violence. And so the indigenous African peoples around this nation settlement of Monrovia are not thrilled with it. They, they joined together um, in, a, in a, an alliance that the colonization society actually uh, said was impossible. The, 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 the Africans were so disjointed, it would never happen. And so, and Ashman uh, arrives in, this, uh, in Monrovia, he takes over from a, a, a black settler. So again, a black settler had been in charge. Judy Ashman arrives. uh, Arrives. He's the white agent. He's got the appointment. So he takes over the defense of Monrovia. This this Pan African confederacy of neighboring nations is going to descend upon this very proto settlement, right? Nation settlement. And so, when I was drifting in graduate school into this topic, I started by I was really interested in like conservative anti slavery thought. That was my that was what where I started because I was sort of interested. I had known about abolitionism. But this idea that you could uh, be opposed to slavery but also equal rights and 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 everything was uh, I, so I was exploring that, and so colonization fi- figured very prominently into this. And so I was you know as part of this early research, I said, "Oh, Ashman colonizationist." He wrote an account of his time in in Monrovia, and so I pulled Juhudi Ashman's you know his 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 life and about this attack. And so, in Ashman's retelling of this pamphlet that he wrote after after he returned to the states, he said, um, you know, so he he arrives on the scene. He, you know, the the settlers are digging in; they're fortifying. It's you know, the tension is high. They're they're receiving a, a messenger from this African confederacy that's basically saying, "Leave, we don't want you here." And Ashman says, um, you know, tell your leaders, tell the leaders. Uh, they will soon know what it means to fight white men, and I uh, was like, "Oh my God, who there? Who are these other whites that are here? <laughs> um, and who who? So it's like I'm I'm looking for like, did he come with the navy, with the army? Is it is, is there? Are there other colonizationists? And I'm spending days of my time. And now here's my mistake: uh, microfilm hadn't been quite familiar with it. Ashman had a nice little uh, now it's not totally my fault, but the the microfilm had a big old crack in it and Ashman had put a little asterisk after that Whiteman statement, and the crack obscured the the asterisk and I hadn't zoomed all the way out, so I didn't see the footnote, and so I, I couldn't, I was like what the hell is Jehudi Ashman talking about. And so I went back to the source. So there's 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 your good uh, for your graduate students. Uh, it's okay to make a mistake. Go back to the sources. Okay. And this time, awesome. I, this time I zoomed out. <laughs> you know, I got the whole page, and it's like, oh, here's a footnote. And he said, and he for his audience who right, he's writing the 19th century Americans, he says white men is uh, a term on the coast for anybody you know who's civilized. Yeah. And I went, oh. The white men are the settlers the african-american settlers and that and thus began and
0: that's where the and book just began opens a can of worms yeah
1: <laughs> and and so for for these west right so to go to your point about race as a social uh uh so, social structure uh construction the indigenous africans when these settlers get off the boat they're, they're virginians they're marylanders they're new yorkers they they speak english they're christian they you know they wear Top hats and frock coats Um, you know and so for uh, these West Africans they look at the behaviors of these settlers and they identify them with the Euro Anglo-American traders who've been going down the west coast of Africa for centuries now and they just call them whites they you know right their identity of themselves is black and so they just call these newcomers whites and for these settlers, who the whole reason they're on they're on this sh- the whole reason they're in this new settlement, the whole reason they're in this foreign land, is because their blackness was problematic um, in the United States. Boy, they they noticed that. Yeah. And yeah. so and and so did the colonizationists. And so it becomes this sort of odd um thing that it the the whiteness of the settlers in this time in this place becomes a real sort of point of of celebration they actually the the colonizationists use this to sell the colony they say because white is good white they're are a white supremacist pan-african organization and so they say the 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 indigenous africans are so in awe of the settlers they they call them white and so that's that's one of the central paradoxes of this movement that I get at is that the, the the I call them the prophets of unending, you know, racial violence that that, you know, the whole idea is to create a white United States because free people of color can't exist here. These very same people are very aware that race actually can change and evolve and shape. Um, and a few of them, one of the the. Uh, one of the few uh, whites that I really focus on in the book, Moses Shepard, he's the merchant who wrote about prunes. Shepard um, he goes all in he writes about how I like this uh, you know uh I like this African he calls it a construction that was the, that was my aha moment when I you know you're in a graduate seminar and you think you're so good it's like oh I'm so smart I I know race is a social construction I'm a brilliant pebble and then you read <laughs> you know somebody somebody using that word I love that I like the construction and, and he's writing it in 1830 and go, right okay, maybe wow, yeah <laughs> yeah maybe I'm not <laughs> maybe I'm a uh, 200 years after the fact um and so that's that's that that whiteness gets you know it gets tangled in with the the ideas of civilization and the elevation of these people and then the propaganda of it and it you know I try to take seriously the the sort of African understandings that, of, of this but it it creates um, a sort of intriguing and, and um, problematic and since you read the book I'll ask you if if, oh, no, if yeah, uh, your yeah your thoughts um, uh, so. It raises all sorts of interesting questions for this black Atlantic model, right? Because this, in many ways, Liberia is the, the sort of the de- definition of what the black Atlantic is. And yet within it, blackness and whiteness are
0: really
1: contested.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, golly, um, now you're really putting me on the spot. I, you know, I, a, a couple of things, I guess, that uh, I, I would like to mention just that got, uh, me thinking about your book yeah I certainly had me think you know I think a one big part of the the Atlantic world I guess is just like this big melting pot where we're all becoming just modern people and it's not mm-hmm. necessarily a good thing <laughs> oh, I, or a bad thing I don't you know it's uh, a <laughs> yeah. history historically very violent and everything and um mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, no. It it made me realize the complex the complexity of the Atlantic world that there are you know it's not as you know gosh to to use bad light yeah. it's not as black and white as <laughs> uh, as just yeah. you know the Atlantic world was. I I yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't even know where I'm getting with that. The other thing I I I, I mentioned because I specifically want to. Was getting it you know is there something just wrong with the with the, with the american <laughs> society or western culture i was struck i was struck with how similar uh with the violence and uh, you know one thing that i one reason i started my podcast is uh i wanted to get to a question that or, or answer a question for myself by you know researching this topic of why portugal and spain and mm-hmm. i kind of got the you know the the long-term answer i kind of got is you know a little bit about the abused abuse. And they were talking about a part of the world that was conquered by Rome, conquered by Islam, reconquered by Christianity, and just, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of people who were just not necessarily great people. But wh- why I bring that up is th- I was struck by the amount of people who were. Uh, were African, Afro Spanish, I don't know what the term is, you know, Muslims Mm -hmm. in Spain and Jews in Spain Mm -hmm. who would participate in this conquistador lifestyle, I guess. Mm -hmm. And lifestyle. (laughs) And and no, just, and really, and we're talking about four or 500 years difference. And there, that's the same kind of mechanism I noticed is being used is conquest to achieve greater social power i guess in your society yeah anyway i I noticed that um
1: no i i think no. it's a great parallel because yeah it raises the is violence maybe it's not inherently american perhaps it's just inherently right and i
0: don't even want to say and i (laughs) I do not at all want to um because if if you're going to ask me like i guess like philosophically what is why are people so bad like this the really bad thing that people do and it's not you know this is kind of like the, just what we do is the city. <laughs> the city in right. particular is bad. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah. I live in Denver, but it's designed to extract resources from, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, yeah. you know, the, I, I, you know, the, the, the Spaniards are bad. The Aztecs were also very bad. I, I don't right. want to say, <laughs> make that point that, that just, you know, white people or Christianity yeah. or something like that is inherently worse. But yeah. um but yeah, but, tri- but anyway, uh, I, I, I did notice notice that.
1: Yeah. And it, it strikes at that. So one of the that, that like, right, that whiteness and violence are integrated here. But you, the quote you you read in many ways, it was inspired. what inspired me. Uh, one of the settlers, Joshua Stewart, he so he's one of the ones that he ends up uh, uh, freed and in Africa. But he has to leave his family behind. And so it's he arrives in Africa. He does have some literacy, which already, you know, that that's a that's a a, a marketable yeah, <laughs> skill yeah. in a in a colony of formerly enslaved. And so he writes back to his uh, former enslaver uh, to basically to pass along a message to his to his mother who's still enslaved. And he, you know, it's it's sort of a would you please, you know, my 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 you know my love to you know the ser- your servants uh, he uses that language. But he signs it, sincerely, Joshua Stewart, and then it's sergeant of the militia. And then he under that, he notes, I have 45 men under my command.
0: Right. And,
1: yeah. and, and so it's this sort of subtle, like, right, what a, what a facet, like the first thing you go back to the, your former enslaver, the person still enslaving your family, and you assert masculine violence that, you know, I'm, in the, I'm a sergeant of the military. And I have men under my command. Yeah, and, and yeah, right. This I and so Liberia is an expansionist state built uh, through violence, and they it, it, there's a reason why the modern nation. Well, 19, you know, there's a coup in 1980, and it devolves into civil war. It it is a settler society built upon expansion and violence, which is whitening um, in many ways. So it's it's no surprise that Jehudi Ashman, you know, when he's when he goes when he tells the African leaders though you're gonna you're gonna fight white men even though he's the only if he was in the united states he'd be the only one that they would identify as white right But that 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 that, those things are so uplift um sort of racial constructions and and the evolution and progression of race and whiteness there's there's something there um to it that's remarkably complex
0: yeah um wow no uh Well, anyway, uh, okay, folks, uh, I think there's an awful lot more we could talk about. Um, uh, Dr. Murray's book is fascinating, and this conversation has been fascinating. Thank you very much. But uh, I think we are about out of time. Uh, So, folks, if you want to learn more, once again, the author is Dr. Robert Murray. The book is Atlantic Passages, Race, Mobility, and Liberian Colonization. I've left links in the show notes so you can easily find and purchase the book. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and until next time, folks. See you later. All right.
1: Hey, fellow pirates, come and listen what I say. The captain is a tyrant, and I no longer obey. I'm sick of taking orders from the madman in command. So let's drop him on an island and leave him in the sand, cause it's a mutiny. over the ship, it's a mutiny, it's a mutiny, it's a mutiny, and I'm taking over the ship. Hey, mighty captain, haven't you heard what's happening here? You're no longer in
0: control. Up your this is now a democratic, egalitarian, powered ship, so enjoy your trip, uh, cause it's a mutiny, it's a mutiny, this is a mutiny,
1: and now we're taking over the ship, it's a mutiny, it's a mutiny, it's a mutiny, it's a mutiny. and now we're taking over the ship.